the Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. Learn about the most current IT security threats in ransomware, phishing, business email compromise, cybercrime tactics, cyber heist schemes, social engineering scams, as well as hints and tips from leading professionals to help you prevent hackers from penetrating your network and dropping ransomware or malware payloads. This podcast will arm you with the best info to defend your network against the latest cyber crimes. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And now, here's your host, Craig Petronella. You're listening to Cybersecurity and Compliance with Craig Petronella. Visit us online at petronellatech.com. This webinar is the first in a series of webinars that we are going to be doing. Um, it's kind of just an introduction to CMMC, NIST, DFARS, how they're all related, the interim rule, uh, things of that nature, and really how the DOD is using all of this, all their tools to signal that they are done playing around with cybersecurity. Um, so give you a brief overview of our on our objectives. By the end of this webinar, you will hopefully be more familiar with the origins of CMMC, also NIST and DFARS. Also understand why it is that the DOD is done messing around. And then we are also gonna go over the next steps that your business needs to take to achieve CMMC certification regardless of the level. All right, so just a brief background on Petronella Tech. Uh, Petronella Tech is a top cybersecurity and IT firm that's been doing business for 30 plus years. Uh, we currently are a certified CMMC AV registered practitioner organization or RPO. And we do have six certified CMMC AV registered practitioners um, or RPs. I am one of those. I've actually been working for Craig for going on eight years now. Um, and I kind of specialize in writing about regulations, including CMMC. Um, so throughout the years, I've become really familiar with it, which is one of the reasons why I decided to become a registered practitioner. All right, so first let's do an overview on NIST, DFARS, and CMMC. Oh my, <laughs> because there's a lot to go over. And what I've found is just that a lot of people don't really know the origins. They don't know how everything is related to each other. And that's understandable because there's not a lot of information out there. I had to do a lot of research to really understand how it all came together. Um, but let's go ahead and start with NIST. Uh, it stands for the National Institute of Standards and Technology. It was actually established way back in 1901 by Congress to promote the U.S. economy through technical leadership for the country's measurements and standards infrastructure. They develop and issue standards and guidelines that help to protect the sensitive information within federal agencies. And protecting federal contractors as well as the supply chain has become a major focus of the NIST recently. Um, they create publications, including the special publications. SPs, which I'm sure you've heard of, NIST SP, uh, which are guidelines and technical specs. So NIST uh, SP 800 series actually covers computer security and SP 800 171 specifically outlines cybersecurity for contractors who handled control unclassified information, also known as CUI or CUI. Um, and that is information that's created by or for the government and it's sensitive, but not technically classified. 
All right, so DFARS, um, it's under the Federal Acquisition Regulation, or FAR, um, and it stands for the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement. The FAR system was created from the Office of Federal Procurement Policy Act of 1974 to standardize the executive branch's acquisition process. DFARS is a set of supplements. It's divided into chapters based on the department that it governs. So DFARS 252.204-7012, which I'm sure we've also all heard of, is the second chapter of the supplement, and it regulates the Department of Defense acquisitions. It's called Safeguarding Covered Defense Information and Cyber Incident Reporting. Most of the supplement focuses on what to do if you're breached and the proper steps in notifying customers and government. But subset B particularly covers adequate security. And what it does is it tells the DOD contractors that they have to be NIST SP 800-171 compliant. So who can tell the difference between NIST SP 800-171 and DFARS 252.204-7012? Well, first of all, DFARS explains to the DOD contractors what they need to do to protect covered defense information, uh, which is CDI, um, and it is grouped into either QE or covered technical information, CTI, but for the purposes, it's mostly CUI. Um, and the vast majority of DFARS 252-204-7012 explains to contractors what they have to do and who they have to notify if their CDI is breached. There's only one subsection B that directs contractors to 800-171. So what does this all mean? Basically, it means that even though they're not technically the same thing, all DOD contractors who handle CDI or CUI in any way have to be NIST 800-171 compliant. So just an illustration. Um, so under NIST, we have the publications and the special publications here. Uh, there are guidelines and technical specifications. We have NIST SP 800, which is computer security. It addresses and supports the security and privacy needs of contractors who handle CUI. Whoops, sorry about that. Um, so that's NIST SP 800-171. And then with FAR, the Federal Acquisition Regulation, we have the FAR system. And then under the FAR system, we have DFARS, which is the supplement and they have different chapters. Chapter two in particular is for the Department of Defense and we have the DFARS 252-204-7012 um, that directly instructs their contractors to take a look at NIST SP 800-171 to make sure that that's how they are securing um, their data. All right, and the reason that they're doing this and the reason for CMMC um, is because even with NIST and DFARS, cyber espionage costs the U.S. Uh, $600 billion every single year still. So an example of this is China's counterfeit Air Force. Um, they actually were able to steal uh, plans through Lockheed Martin. Um, and even though Su Bin, who was the guy that stole it, uh, was sentenced to 46 months in prison, the repercussions of this are going to live on for decades. And that's just one example. Now, also, another thing that kind of shows that NIST and DFARS aren't working 
Um, there's a company called Sarah Bren that assessed a number of companies. And what they found is that zero companies were 100% compliant and not a single one. Okay, so that, if, as you can imagine, leaves big gaping holes in national security. On average, companies implemented only 39% of the controls. 61% of the controls, if you boil it down, uh, were either not implemented or only partially implemented. What they found is kind of makes sense. Large companies on average successfully implemented a little bit more than the smaller companies at nearly 60%, but that's still not nearly enough. Uh, small to mid-sized companies, however, only successfully implemented 34% of the controls. And over 80% of the companies that were assessed failed to implement 16 specific controls. And what's really troubling is that there are three specific controls that could have prevented or significantly reduced data breaches. Um, this includes 3.53, uh, 3.5.3, sorry about that, multi-factor authentication, 3.2.1, awareness or training, and 3.11.3, which is vulnerability remediation or fixing your problems once you figure out that you have one. All right, so, some further proof that NIST and DFARS are not working. Um, first of all, so CMMC is basically spearheaded by Katie Arrington. She is the Office of Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment. Um, now, the thing about NIST and DFARS, if you follow the advice that's listed there, they're fantastic. And if followed, it does work. But our data keeps getting stolen. Why is that? First of all, self-attestation is not working. Um, it's also too complicated and companies don't know what they don't know. And a lot of times they don't even know where to start. Um, so Katie Arrington likened cybersecurity to the advent, um, advent sorry, of automobiles. Uh, CMMC certification is your driver's license on the information superhighway. Uh, when cars were first invented, there were no rules and no infrastructure. But as time went on, um, people were hurt, even killed. They realized they needed more than just an honor system. And as Katie Arrington likes to say, trust but verify. We haven't, they haven't been verifying uh, that these have been followed. So it just hasn't been working. So why now? Uh, why is CMMC now? Well, RFIs and RFPs are going to include uh, the CMMC requirements uh, beginning later this year. There's a five-year acquisition process, which means that all contractors will require CMMC by 2025. Why 2025? Well, in 2025, 5G is gonna be pretty much everywhere and it's so fast that it's gonna make protecting unsecured networks from outside threats practically impossible. Also, quantum computing is going to be um, very widespread and it will, enable bad actors to easily crack basic encryption. So the goal with CMMC is to try and create a unified global cybersecurity standard. You can almost look at it like a US license that will allow you to drive your vehicle anywhere in the world. So it's similar to ISO standards, but for cybersecurity. Now, what does this uh, new regulation mean for your business? Well, eventually, one thing that I see as a positive is that there will no longer be separate NIST or DFARS requirements. The CMMC combines various cybersecurity standards and best practices and then maps these controls and processes across five different maturity levels. 
the maturity levels actually build on top of each other. So you can't reach level five unless you've already uh, completed level one, two, three, and four. Um, and they range from basic cyber hygiene to advanced cyber hygiene. Now for a given CMMC level, the associated controls and processes when implemented will reduce risk against a specific set of cyber threats. Now this is really important and you're gonna see me reiterating this throughout the presentation. Contractors and subcontractors must be CMMC certified before they will be granted contracts. Um, that means every single security control has to be in place. There, are, There's no room for error. It's go or no go. Um, it's imperative for you to be compliant by the time audits begin because you will not be awarded a contract until you have become CMMC certified. Now, one thing I've noticed too is that contractors, they look at CMMC and NIST and DFARS and it just seems overwhelming. It seems like it's going to be a sunk cost. It's hard to see the positive in it, um, but there are actually some major benefits of being NIST, DFARS, and CMC compliant. First of all, you have increased security. It also gives you a competitive advantage, peace of mind, and it gets you to the different CMMC levels. Now, for increased security, being compliant and certified will significantly reduce the likelihood of a breach. And if you are breached, it will actually decrease the impact of the breach. So it looks really good um, for you to do this uh, with your client's security. Um, with a competitive advantage, once you've put in the time, energy, and money it requires to get compliant and certified, you actually gain a competitive advantage over other businesses who are not certified. If you have to be a CMMC certified to get a contract, and almost no business right now is eligible for that, but you work really hard and you get that done, there's gonna be a lot of contracts left out on the table that you could actually pick up because you are uh, CMMC certified. It also gives you peace of mind. You're not gonna lose sleep, wondering if you're gonna lose your contract um, and your reputation because you failed to comply. Now with the CMMC levels, once you become NIST compliant with the 110 controls, and everybody has to do that before, uh, before CMMC takes place, and we'll get into that a little bit further, but you are that much closer to being certified in all five CMMC maturity levels. So taking just a few extra steps is actually gonna give you that much more of a competitive advantage. So who must comply with DFARS, NIST, and CMMC guidelines? All entities who are in contact with CUI and or CFI must be compliant. This includes storing, processing, transmitting, and or creating data. It applies to any subcontractor that sells anything to a government supplier or wishes to do business with a government supplier or contractor in the future. It's not confined to manufacturers. And it also does not include commercial off-the-shelf items as long as there were no modifications when sold to the government. Okay, now how do you know um, if you need to be compliant. First of all, you're gonna get direct note, you could possibly get direct notifications from the DOD. Um, there's also contract stipulations, especially with CMMC. When you get your contract, it'll tell you what level you have to be uh, in order to even be eligible to win the contract. Uh, you can also ask your subcontractors or service providers. And 
it's really important to note that even if you're not notified that you need to be compliant, it does not excuse you from being compliant. Okay, so ignorance is not is not acceptable. Okay, so what will happen to my business if we are not compliant? Um, well, there is no NIST certification. Um, so NIST compliance, as we mentioned, has been an honor system. But if you're found out of compliance, it actually can cost you dearly. You can lose your contract. Um, with the DFARS interim rule, you'll no longer be eligible for a contract if you haven't entered your information into the SPUR system, which we'll talk about also, um, and you have a positive DODAM score. CMMC, it's a go, no-go, as I mentioned before. If you don't pass the CMMC audit, you will not be eligible for a contract. Um, it also opens you up to fraud. So if you lie about being compliant when you know that you aren't, you're breaking the law and you can be held criminally and civilly um, responsible. There are actually several companies who have lost cases under the False Claims Act for lying about their compliance. Um, and there's also the breach of contract lawsuits. You can be sued for damages by your prime contractor or subcontractor for negligence if you fail to maintain a specific NIST code. All right, so let's talk about really getting real here. <laughs> Why is the DOD not paying their contractors for CNC compliance? Um, it's a question a lot of people have asked, but the reason is because they already have. Every contractor that's a current, that has a current contract has signed that contract and it says that they are NIST DFARS compliant. The government has also already compensated you for such. So They've given you the money. They've paid for you to be compliant. So they expect you to be compliant. Now, previously, due to self-attestation, it seemed to be a little bit more of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge um, as far as contractors uh, getting away with not implementing the security controls. It's like, do you have this? Yeah, we have it, but you don't really. Um, it ha there haven't really been any repercussions from that anymore, but that's they're doing away with that. Now, will they help with any of the costs? Yes, they actually are. They don't want this to be completely cost prohibitive for small businesses. Um, as of today, we don't know exactly how much they're going to be compensating contractors. Um, but from what they've stated, you will be able to add um, to the contract the additional cost of any extra security controls that are needed to get you from 800-171 with the 110 security controls to CMMC maturity level three or more. So for example, with CMMC maturity level three, it's 130 security controls. So whatever costs you incurred going from the 110 to the 130, they will compensate you for that. Um, but they don't. we don't necessarily know how much at this point. They also said they will compensate for the audit. Okay, so we talked about uh, CMMC, DFARS, NIST, how those are all related, when those are all going to start, um, especially with the CMMC. So that was all going well until this past uh, fall, the DOD introduced a interim rule. Um, and we're going to take a look at that because there's a lot of confusion with that. Now, with CMMC rolling out this year, why the interim rule and why now? Well, hackers are not going to wait 
for contractors, subcontractors, or vendors to get their cybersecurity whipped into shape to start a cyber attack. In fact, they don't want you <laughs> to be ready. They, the less prepared you are, the better for them. Exfiltration of sensitive data by malicious actors around the globe is a threat to both national and economic security. Um, and the DOD is working with the Defense Industrial Base, the DIB, to enhance protection of controlled, unclassified information along the supply chain. So let's take a look at the new rule. If uh, CMMC certification is your driver's license on the information superhighway, then you can think of the new interim rule as your driver's permit. It has three new provisions. Um, 7019 advises contractors that they must maintain and report their NIST 800-171 compliance in the Supplier Performance Risk System, or SPURS. It also explains the three types of assessments or audits that they will be now conducting, basic, medium, and high. 7020 outlines the requirements of contractors to provide the government access to its facilities if the DOD is renewing a contract or conducting a medium or high assessment. Uh, this just means that, so with the medium and high, they're actually going to visit your place of business um, to see that you are telling them what or you're doing what you're telling them that they're doing, that you're doing. Um, and so this is requiring that you allow the government officials in. And then 7021 is a discussion of integrating CMMC maturity levels one through five with the DFARS interim rule. All right, so let's take a look at the SPURS and DODAM scores. Okay, so SPURS self-assessment effectively ends self-attestation of NIST SP-800-171. It will be included in all RFPs after December 1st, 2020, which as we all know has passed. <laughs> it is not recommended the contractors wait. The DOD wanted all the subs and primes to self-assess um, by the due date. So if you haven't done that, that's something you definitely need to start working on. Uh, now, the CMMC will take its place as it rolls out, but until then, you must complete the assessment. So even if you don't think you're going to have to have maturity level three, uh, you think you're only going to have to have maturity level one, you still have to implement these 110 security controls before CMMC or you open yourself up to a lot of liability. Okay, so for each of the 110 NIST 800-171 security controls, you must submit two pieces of evidence to prove that you have in fact implemented the control. You must also provide a plan of action and milestone or POAM for each missing control, stating first of all, how you're working towards correcting this issue and also how you, uh, when you expect it to be completed. So I think it's uh, important to note that for CMMC, you will not be allowed any POAMs. It's you have to have every single security control in place or you fail. With the interim rule, they're giving you a little bit more wiggle room. So if you don't have everything implemented yet, that's okay for the most part. All right. So um, with this new system, the contractor will uh, is directed to fill out the assessment and then the contracting officer reviews the DODAM scores before giving the award, and then it's a go or no go. So if you have a negative score, you're not going to get your contract renewed. Um, also, it's important to note that your DODAM score is valid for three years, but you are allowed to update it as you implement new controls. 
All right. So what does this new interim rule have to do with you? Well, every contractor who works with the DOD is expected to have an assessment uploaded by December 1st, 2020, because if you do not enter your self-assessment into SPURS, you will not be rewarded any new contracts. Okay. That is really important to note. There's no exceptions to this except for the um, commercial off the shelf. All right, now what happens if you don't enter this into SPURS? So if you don't upload your assessment, it puts you at risk for loss of contract and then also potential fines and penalties under the False Claims Act. Um, and also with the audits, as I mentioned, they're doing the high, medium, and um, low level audits. So if you are found to be lying, you could get into some real trouble. Again, no, it does not matter which CMMC maturity level that you are expected to have in the future. Every DOD prime and sub must follow this new rule and implement NIST SP 800-171 security controls if you would like to continue working with the DOD. All right, so the next question is where do we go from here? And these are going to be actionable steps that you can take. However, I do first want to clear up a few common misconceptions that we have heard. Um, now, one thing that we've heard is that only certain uh, NAICS codes have to uh, follow the new DFARS interim rule. Um, that is untrue. While there are certain codes that are going to be impacted more than others, if you are a contractor, you will not be awarded another contract unless you have your information entered into SPURS. Um, I've also heard people say that since they have Office 365 or some other type of software that they're fine, but at a very minimum, you need Microsoft 365 GCC High DOD to pass an audit. It can take months and thousands of dollars to set this up. So it's it's very, very secure. Uh, it's a lot more secure than just Office 365, which will not pass an audit. Um, we've also heard that you only have to have, or only maturity level three and higher have to have a C3P AO audit, which is the third party audit from CMMC. That's not true at all. Every single uh, CMMC maturity level requires an audit before you can get your contract. Additionally, the level that you need to obtain will be in your contract. No CMMC is going to be a self-assessment. That only applies to the interim rule. All right, we've also heard that if you do not touch CUI, the DFARS interim rule does not apply to you. I've, as I've gone over, that is false. It's just, it's untrue. And it might even be the most harmful misconception that we've seen floating out there. Uh, if you listen to Katie Arrington, even if you only need maturity level one, you are still required per your current contract to be compliant. Now, by signing your current contract, you've already attested that you're following these guidelines and you've already been paid to do so. So if you're audited, you're opening yourself up to fines and penalties, and it's just not something that you can ignore anymore. All right, and then we've heard that no practitioners are CMMC AB certified. That might've been true a couple months ago, but um, the CMMC AB has begun certifying registered practitioners, RPs, as well as registered practitioner organizations um, last quarter. You don't need to choose a cybersecurity specialist who is a registered practitioner or working for an RPO, but it does make sense to choose someone who has been trained in CMMC because as you can see, it's Pretty complicated. 
All right. So where do you go from here? Well, really, the next step in your journey depends on you and your business and where your business is currently. Uh, so first of all, a good question to ask is, do you have a system security plan or an SSP? If you do not have an SSP, even if you have all 110 controls in place, it doesn't matter. You have, you'll have a negative score of 203. Now, if you do have a system security plan, um, what is your SPURS score, your DODAM score? PTG can actually help raise your DODAM score as efficiently as possible. Um, the next question to ask is, do you have all 17 policies and procedures, which is one for each domain? If you do, then it sounds like you're probably ready for the mini gap assessment. Um, if you don't, then you probably want to start with the DFARS NIST policies and procedures pack. Now, if you don't have anything, meaning you have a negative score in place and you want to move as quickly as possible, there's no need to buy a gap assessment now because you are not ready. We've seen that a lot where uh, if a business, a contractor has nothing in place, you know, people will tell them to go ahead and get a gap assessment, but you're not ready for that. You, you need to have some things in place before a gap assessment. Okay, so what we recommend um, is our policy, uh, as a good starting point, our policies and procedures bundle, encrypted email and data solution, and then consulting. And we recommend consulting um, because it buys you blocks of time that so can be tailored to fit your needs. Um, so it's not something that's just uh, a template for anybody. It, it can really help you and help answer the questions and things like that. So um, at the end of all of this work, when you no longer need POAMs and when you think that you're ready for a CMMC audit, that's the best time to conduct a gap assessment. All right, and Craig uh, has offered um, our participants of the webinar a discount. If you use the code FREE0221, anything on the compliancearmor.com website that's under $100 can be free or is free for you. This includes our CMMC one-page checklist, um, which is also a good starting point. Um, the Ultimate Guide to CMMC, which is a book by Craig Petronella. Um, and there are several guides on there, including guides with DFARS, NIST, uh, CMMC, and the DFARS interim rule. Okay. So that concludes that portion of the webinar. Um, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to ask. Um, also, I do, we do have Craig here. Uh, so if you have technical questions that I may not uh, have answers to, then he can answer those for you. Great job, Erin. Thanks. So, it looks like there's not too many questions right now. No questions. So everybody's got all this figured out. <laughs> Hi, this is Todd Weed. I have a quick question. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your data and email encryption solution? Yes, we can do that. Craig, do you want to tell him about that? Yeah, sure. So um, we have, we ourselves, we use what's called an end-to-end -end encrypted email data storage solution that bolts on top of Microsoft Office 365 commercial or Google, or really most email um, applications. 
Um, it's a solution made by a company called Prevail, which we have chosen to work with because it's cheaper than the Microsoft um, GCC High from DOD, which is offered by only about six or seven authorized resellers in the country. That actually is three times the cost of commercial Microsoft Office 365. So we chose the Prevail solution, and then we added on top of that solution our security control layers. Um, and it's just really easy to use, doesn't need any passwords to remember. Nobody can get tricked by a phishing email. Um, and it's also ITAR compliant. Well, does that work with the, like your data exchange between compliant environments, for example, from a commercial environment to a DOD environment? So you, you have a couple of choices. So if you're a sub to a prime, the prime most likely has a solution in place um, and they may want to use their solution. But you can, with this solution, you can invite them um, into the ecosystem. So after you secure licenses, you can invite people outside of the organization to become a part of the encrypted channel. Um, but in the relationship of a prime and a, a smaller sub, typically the prime already has a solution in place that they may want you to use theirs. But obviously, when in doubt, you would use your own. It just depends on the certain situation. There's also other methods that they may want to choose to communicate with. Understood. Thanks. Sure. Well, Craig, is there anything that you would like to go over or reiterate from the webinar? Um, I was just going to add on the solution for end-to-end -end encrypted email and secure data. That's one of the largest gaps that we find that most companies um, don't have a good solution for, which is why we chose the, the Prevail solution and then um, worked with them and together have helped accelerate the cadence of getting folks compliant and filling that gap with our consulting and our policies and layers that we've added, we've been able to bring companies from that minus 203 all the way up to a positive 65 very rapidly. So a lot of folks fall into that area. So that's a good um, a good spot for you know filling that gap for a lot of people. Okay, that makes sense. Anybody else? All right. Well, that will conclude our webinar. Uh, if you have any additional questions, uh, you can go to our website or email myself, uh, Aaron at petronellatech.com um, or Craig. And um, thank you for joining. Any, any last words, Craig? No, I think that's it. I think, um, you know, folks obviously take advantage of the special offer that we posted there. Um, we thank you for joining the webinar. And if you know anybody that could benefit from this factual information, please pass this um, link around. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter on our website at petronellatech.com. I'll also put that in a link there on our YouTube channel where you, where you can follow us as well. Um, and other, you know, LinkedIn and other social channels as well. We're very um, active on LinkedIn. That's probably the most active social channel that we use because most of our clients are B2B. 
Um, but yeah, be sure to stay tuned. You know, we'll, we'll be updating this regularly as new information is released from the DOD. And um, we hope you, you found value in this. And I think, Aaron, you did a great job. And um, take advantage of, of the offer. Go to compliancefarmer.com really and get started today. All right. Don't wait. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Cybersecurity and Compliance with Craig Petronella. Listen to all of our podcasts on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Visit us online at petronellatech.com to book a meeting with Craig about your business. Thanks for listening to the Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. For other episodes and more information, visit petronellatech.com. Also visit our other websites, compliancearmor.com and blockchainsecurity.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks for listening and stay secure.